Welcome, everybody, to the third episode of the OTH podcast. I'm Zach, or ZachF13 on Reddit. Bob says Nyet on Flea Flicker. We have a special one for you today. It's a long-form interview with the person who I think everyone on here would want to hear most from more uh, because they're so shy and never speak on Discord or on the subreddit. Of course, it's WAPA uh, joining me in studio over Skype uh, for this very first conversation on the OTH pod. So, WAPA, how you doing today? Um, doing pretty good. What's up, everybody? The king is here, OTH champion, two-time PF champ, and your all-time PF leader. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Wafa, just uh, starting off with a couple of questions about you. I know you shared a, a little bit about yourself in the um, threads over the years. You're from Hong Kong originally. Um, so I think the, the first question that's on my mind and probably a lot of others is, is how did you get into hockey or fantasy hockey for that matter? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm from Hong Kong, but I went to school in Toronto. So I spent um, a lot of time watching the Leafs, uh, but I'm not a huge hockey fan per se. I'm a Leafs fan more than anything. So, you know, the Sundin days, they were excellent. I remember when Sundin scored that overtime goal against the Canes in game six, um, lived through the infamous game seven, four, one meltdown against the Bruins and to Raycroft trade. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I've, I think of all the years, this year is finally the year, man, at least for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, you sound, you have the optimism of a, of a true Leafs fan this year. Um, that's, that's good to hear. It's, I think it's better when the, uh, the Leafs are, are good. It's better for the league. Um, although, you know, I'm talking as a Florida Panthers fan. So, you know, what, what else what can I really say? Um, have, have you and your entire experience as a Leafs fan felt this, quite this level of optimism before? No, not really. I think the closest really was during the, when a Sundin, you know, I think there's like two years in the past where they went to the final four. I, I thought they were going to win the cup then, uh, but you know, whatever. Right. But this year, man, the, we got Tavares, So for sure, I think this is a year best chance ever. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly a, a, a strong start and uh, probably pretty good on all of the fantasy owners out there who picked up uh, Leafs players and uh, especially Morgan Riley, who for many leagues was probably like a later round draft choice who's paid dividends um and you know i'm 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 very aware of that because that's someone i drafted and he's exceeded my expectations for the first 10 games or so did you uh draft any Leafs players on your team no no i well i have cadre right um but i don't think i think even previous years i've never drafted any Leafs. this was probably like the first year where i drafted a leaf and it was cadre huh is part of that, I, I mean, I know for, as a Panthers fan, I try not to draft many Panthers players on my team because, you know, you watch them more frequently and, like, it, it's, it's frustrating watching, intertwining, for me at least, uh, the fantasy implications with the rooting interests. Yeah, of course. And I'll, I'll touch on that a bit later. Uh, but for sure, like, I don't, I don't let any of the watching, like, me being a Leafs fan affect my fantasy skills, fantasy skills in any way. Okay, so your fantasy skills. Let's let's start to go into that a little bit. Um, mm. c- coming in, what what would you say if I'm just asking very generally, like what is your approach? What is like some of the first things uh, that you would tell someone who's new to the OTH league, perhaps 
um, about how to you know set up a team. Okay, so this is a very broad topic, and um, I don't really know where to begin. But for starters, I don't use any software outside of Excel or HockeyReference.com. I just keep, I just keep everything simple, right? And that I don't I don't buy or download any draft kits, draft rankings of that nature, nor do I listen to any hockey podcasts. Well, I mean, except for yours now, Zachary, right? Uh, yeah, everything <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, everything I do is original content. I create my own rankings from scratch based on the players, player data that's exported of hockey reference and then use that data to create my customized data models. Um, and, you know, like I said, my fantasy skills don't come from watching hockey at all. Um, to be honest, prior to moving to Vancouver, I don't even watch hockey games. So in the earlier years of OTH, I've gone a full year playing fantasy hockey and not even watching one minute of hockey. It's crazy wow. weird for, for, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit weird for normal yeah. people, but I would say this is a trait that differentiates me from every single other fantasy hockey player on the planet, right? I approach the game from 100% pure data perspective. So every player is just like a bunch of numbers to me. I don't even know what most of them look like, right? Except for a few players. Uh, but now, and nowadays in Vancouver, I have way more free time, so I do watch. Um, but I, like I said, I try to be careful and not let watching a real game influence my fantasy game, right? I don't want there to be to be any like player or team biases at all. Um, and and in contrast, basketball, I love to watch. That's my favorite sport. But I don't play fantasy basketball ever. Uh, and reason is this: I mean, it's, it's too predictable. And when it's predictable, it's not very fun. So, for right. example, let's say let's say Le, let's say LeBron, um, say he averages 30 points a game. And for example, right? Let's say the 30 points translates to five PF. LeBron will never ever have a shit game. Unlike hockey, a basketball superstar will never give you that zero. PF on any given day, right? And a good LeBron game would be like, well, well, 50 points. And if you do the math, you know, 30 to 50 points, that roughly translates to 8 PF if we're going by that 5 PF baseline. So the PF variance is very, very low. Um, and in hockey, the fun part is you do all the number crunching, you do all the analysis, and then a team that you put together on a game night it's kind of like bingo, you know, like, so, so some scrubs can go off for like 20 PF and then your first rounder can give you negative PF. So it, in, in that sense, it's way more unpredictable and that's uh, what's fun for me. Right, right. Now, when you say you, you know, you do your own um, research and you're all about the numbers, um, what are some of the like statistics that you're looking into that you place extra weight on? Or is it even sometimes maybe like, um, the relationship between different statistics, like is a player putting up uh, a lot of shots on goal that just haven't really like converted into goals yet? Um, what, what, what are some of the things that you're looking at when you're making your own judgments on players based on numbers? Yeah, so I'll talk about this part and then I'll um, lead into uh, some tips I have for like beginner or advanced players as well, right? Okay. So. I mean, I don't mind giving all my trade secrets. It's not like it's not like top <laughs> secret classified information or anything like that, right? I always say that people can imitate, but they can never duplicate. So 
Nice. Throughout the years, I always say that I'm like the best winger specialist. And even to this day, I, I stand by that completely. Um, but, you know, me being like the best winger player, it doesn't mean that I'm taking BPA wingers in my first six rounds and calling it a day, right? Anyone can do that. Um, mm-hmm. You look at some of my copycat teams out there, and it's it's not pretty, right? The key is having the best wingers in the league and still not sacrifice everything else. That's a ticket, right? And for uh, forwards, um, wingers specifically, I have in-depth knowledge about the numbers, and I use a fan stats properly. And uh, when we're talking about fan stats, I don't mean like, you know, Corsi and Fenwick or any of that that stuff. Um, I'm famous for using PDO because that's a strategy that's uh, uh, worked for me. And for those who don't know what PDO is, PDO doesn't stand for anything. PDO is the name of some guy on a forum who just created this stat out of nowhere. I think it's from Edmonton or something. And what it is, is uh, it's the sum of teams, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sum of the shooting percentage plus uh, save percentage, right? Something like that, right? But right. Who, I mean, who cares about the technical stuff, right? You want to know how to use it. In a nutshell, what this PDO does is an attempt to measure luck. And the idea is that everybody, no matter who you are, either you're, you're Austin Matthews or you're Neil Yakupov, everybody will regress towards 100 by the end of the season. So if a player's PDO is less than 100, it means they should be and will be playing better. Um, if they're over 100, let's say they're like, you know, 105, 106 right now early on in the season, it means that they're playing way beyond their level. It's simple as that. Um, so this way, you don't need to worry about players historically who shoots like a higher percentage or some guys who always like really shoots, you know, like 10%, 11%, right? You don't need to do extra homework like that, right? So it's a great stat. Just keep, keep it at 100. Um, yeah, so that's mainly... Uh, a little bit about my game and the statistics I like to use. Now, that's me. But this is very different for whether you're a new guy or intermediate guy or like, you know, some really advanced veteran, right? Um, so for noobs, I think I think Katsumoto did a really great job running that OTH newbie guide, right? He covered uh, most of the basic shit and... You know, but if I were to put in my own two cents, I'd have to say two things. If you're a new player, number one, never, ever, ever rely on our fantasy hockey for knowledge. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, yeah. that stuff has, has so much fake news, I can't even... Right? I mean, the quality, the quality content is there. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's some quality content, but it's very, very little. Uh, as a sample, just like early this year, I was reading like some idiot Bruins fan think he's got like some insider knowledge and tell people that, oh, Anders Bjork might be on a top line this year, effectively being the new David Pasternak. So fucking stupid, right? But if, if you're a noob, how can you know that's true or not, right? So then you go, oh, yeah, let me put Anders Bjork on my draft list and then I'll take him as a sleeper, right? And then, and then you feel like you got the edge on the competition, but... I did, I did that exact same thing with a, a friend of mine who's a Penguins fan who told me to maybe look out for uh, Sprong, that Sprong could get some top-line pairings with Crosby, that they've been clicking during the preseason, drafted him, I dropped him, I don't know, maybe one weekend, maybe less. 
Yeah, yeah. Daniel Sprung is uh, another example. Like, like you know, you never, you never hear hear of these people like ever before. But suddenly during the off season, oh yeah, everybody's gonna draft them, right? Like, um, same thing as Grubauer. What a what a stupid idea. People draft Grubauer. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you know, in reality, the opposite usually happens, and you screwed yourself because you listen to some no-name fool giving you false info, right? So truly study the data and draw your own conclusions. And also, next is um, the second thing is don't blindly take some draft rankings as a source, right? Aside from the obvious, which is what Katz said about uh, other sites not using the same cats, blah blah blah. It's always best to create your own rankings, no matter how good or bad you are, right? We have 224 players each year. So let's say I just copied the rankings of NHL.com. You can be damn well sure that there are many others doing the same thing. So in the end, you'll be average like everyone else. Um, be original, do your own research. Because you know, at the very least, right, if you've put in the effort, the information will sink in much faster. And over time, you'll gain that knowledge. Um, and also pay attention to the mid and late rounds during a draft. Most people tend to spend the majority of the time fixated on like the first, the, their first rounder, and then like um, you know at, at the most like the first three or four rounds. But honestly, who cares? As a beginner, uh, because you don't have any concept of uh, team building design or anything like that, just take your BPA best player available and then complement those guys with the rest of your picks. Championships are won with your deaf players. Plus, guess what? Suppose that you, you, you had no idea what the hell you're doing and your draft completely sucked. Because you're in the lower divisions, mistakes are very correctable during the season um, because the free agent pool is pretty much your, your own personal playground, right? So yeah, um, to sum up for noobs, in order to have success, don't be a casual. I can't stress that enough. Put in the work. Do your own analysis, check their past histories, their prior ADPs. These are just the basics. If you don't, then you're just, you're just going to be another scrub, right? There are no shortcuts. You can be lucky and draft a great team for a year and be a one-hit wonder, but it's a completely different thing to be able to do it every single year. Um, nobody becomes a fantasy superstar overnight, right? Nobody. Right. Uh, yeah, so next is for... Intermediate or advanced players, uh, strategies are very, very different. You'll, so you'll need to make sure that you're maximizing your man games, number seven moves. And I'm not talking about using all seven per se, right? That's a, that's a given. Um, I'm talking about... You're talking about the, uh, the ad, ad drops during the uh, yeah, yeah, from yeah. free agency? Yeah, so everybody, you know, everybody should know this, right? You have, everybody, in one week, you have seven moves. Okay. You know, in the in the lower divisions, whatever, I, I probably not even fifty percent use all seven moves, right? But in upper division, everybody will use all seven moves. So I mean, that's already a given. So I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, what I mean is ma ma uh, using your seven moves to maximize your potential man games. There's a huge difference, right? So I'm talking about like using picking a guy that's got a back to back, you know, that kind of stuff. So you got to plan out the whole week. Um, take advantage of illegal rosters whenever you can. And Zachary, I don't know if you if you know this trick either, right? Like, what I mean by illegal rosters is, let's say you got some guy who's injured um, on the IR, and you know for a fact it's like a short injury, it's just like he's sick or something, um, uh, and then he's on 
the IR for like maybe two days, and then the next day after, they're back active. Then what you can do, you can pick all those guys, pick your, put them on the IR, use that spot to pick some more guys, and then set your roster all the way till the day when you know they're going to come back. Because the day that they come back, if you don't do anything, that injured player will be active, but still on your IR. You can't make any moves that day because it's technically an illegal roster, so you can't put them back in the lineup until you've done something. But if you if you if you're smart and you've done it ahead of time, you can run um, a roster that's more than the maximum allowed. So to give you that um, that extra advantage, right? If that guy right. didn't play the games. Um, yeah, and that's especially that that comes in handy uh, quite a bit on those game those game days where you have like all the teams playing. You have more. You have more players that are playing games and you can actually like field a team with. So you're going to be putting guys on the bench anyway. You may as well put that guy who was qualified for the IR earlier in the week, sit him in on the IR since, you know, someone else is going to be able to step in and play in that spot anyway on that day. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Um, um, and also, you know, take advantage of a, uh, of the player news, right? You got there's a, there's a news tab in the Flea Flicker, which is pretty good. So keep yourself up to the minute. Um, check those starting goalies on a regular. Uh, and I mean, I mean, just the other day, I got caught up in something, and by seven minutes, I missed out on taking Latang off IR, which now costed me six PF, and that totally sucks, right? Uh, so when you're talking about that, uh, the man games, the waiver stuff, that's that, that's that. When, when now when you're talking about streaming. What kind of players you want to pick with those seven moves? You need to pick the right type of streamers. Don't always just go ahead and take the first guy that you see out there, right? Um, if you're behind by a lot, but you still feel like you got a chance to win, pick the goalies, the goal scorers, the hail mary players, right? Sam Bennett is an example of that. He can go like you know ten games without doing anything, and then suddenly he'll have like a he'll have like a two like a uh, a hat trick or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're ahead by a wide margin, make moves for the next week. In effect, giving you eight or even nine moves for the upcoming week. You don't need to play the Sunday. Um, if you're down by a little, then pick up a bruiser who's going to get you those hits and the blocks because those are always a guaranteed couple of PF. That may be just enough to put you over. Um, and then finally, if you're up by a little, uh, pick up a neutralizer. So by neutralizer, that means, let's say your opponent has Taves and Debrinket, and you're up by 10 on a Sunday, then take Dominic Cahoon, right? Even though you know he's absolute garbage, he's not going to do shit, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't really matter if, if he can score or not. He's there to minimize damage. So now when you say talking about a player like Sam Bennett, for example, being like an example of a a moonshot player, a Hail Mary, right? When you need someone who might explode for a few goals on a given day, but other, you know, will go through a 10-day stretch of doing nothing. Are you doing that based on experience? Like you just happen to know that Sam Bennett is a player that is like that? Or will you look through and sort through data to determine which players – you know, kind of like deviate from their mean in extreme ways um, or versus ones that are like scoring consistent low level points? Is that something that you're looking at data for or is that something that is just, you know, you're 
hewing into your experience, having played, you know, fantasy for a number of years and you know the players now? I think it's a mixture of everything. Nowadays, of course, it's going to be your um, the last point, right? I, uh, I've been in this game for uh, just like year number seven now. So almost like every single player, I don't even have to look at their stats. I kind of know the kind of player that they're going to be. Um, but where that comes from is, again, studying the player data. So you look at guys like Sam Bennett, I mean, they, they, they suck. But uh, these are like the streaming options for a player like a Jeff Skinner. They're like the, you know, uh, poor man's Jeff Skinner, basically. And you can see that. Just look at, you don't need to do, you know, it's a lot of stuff is common sense, right? You look at, you look at their, their stats and then, you know, they average like, like Sam Bennett, he'll never average like over three, maybe 3.1, 3.2 PF. But most of the time you're, you're looking, if you ever stream them, man, it's so frustrating because you'll get like the 0.5, 0.6, 0.25. They don't do shit for most of the time. But then, but then you know, how, how, how did they get a 3 PF? Well, you look, there's one day, there's one day out of the month that they'll get, you know, a one goal, one assist, two goals, hat trick, whatever. It's, it's the nature of the players, right? It's Jeff Skinner is like the, the perfect role model. You know, he, he, he gets drafted like rounds, you know, eight, nine, ten every single year. Um, and then he'll give you that back-to-back hat trick. And then there you go. That's the monthly totals. I'm not going to do shit ever again. Tyler Johnson's another one I feel like is, uh, is is one of those players that's great if he's available and you need like a, a moonshot player. Yeah, yeah. That's why you see like, a, you know, Ron has him, Tyler Johnson. And yeah, he's, he's great. He's, uh, uh, he, he says, oh, Tyler Johnson's so amazing. And then, yeah, okay, a couple of games when you're saying that, yeah, he got, he got like multi-point games, but, you know, He'll go like a whole week or two without doing anything at all. It's like, why the heck would you want to do that, right? I avoid players like that uh, completely just because I like having that consistent attack. And uh, I want to go back actually real quick to a point that you made about being um, designing your teams that are heavily on winger production. Because I don't know if this is a statistic that you've you've looked at and you're aware of, but I'm going into the Price Murray division right now, where you're top of the league right now, um, and you can do the leaders breakdown by position. And yeah. you have of the 14 players in Price Murray, you have top point production for right wingers, top point production for forwards, uh, middle middle of the rounds or so for uh, for left wingers. And then you look at some, something like center, and even though you're top of the division, you have the lowest point production for centers because it's just not something that you're, you know, it's not a position you're stacking up on. It really is that winger heavy uh, team design. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's why I usually do like, uh, I mean, it's most years I do this, except for last year, which I'll, I'll talk on later. Um, but yeah, it's with the, with the forwards, it's it's very easy to to figure out who's doing well and who's not doing well because pr- their primary goal is scoring. So um, it's again, it's it's about, it's about the experience, right? Like now, you look at my right wingers this year. It's I have uh, Patrick Kane, I have Line, I have uh, Rantanen. So I, and then I've got Gaudreau and Arfison on the other left side. 
So basically, I'm pretty sure that nobody else has better wingers than I do. Um, similar to like other years, like previous years before, I remember uh, I took uh, Brad Marchand 13th round, the year he semi-broke out. And then the year after, I took him in the eighth round when he completely broke out and became like a first-round talent forever. Um, David Pasternak, I drafted him 16th round uh, the year he broke out. Tarasenko, um, I claimed them when Nodden dropped them. Thank you very much. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think I got a. It's it's just kind of like my the thing that I do with the wingers. I just have a good eye on them. Okay, right, and, and, and now, what, what do you do about goalies? Because because goalies is another one that uh, seems to, to to baffle people, and people are kind of all over the board. Some people pick them really high in the draft. Some people have you know. Uh, guys that are like a 1A and 1B for a team, both on their team, and they just have one guy sitting on the bench like all week. Um, I think goalie is like one of the positions where you see team strategies like diverge the most in, in what people do. Some people don't value it at all and just try and like stream whoever's getting starts as like the backups. What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. So for goalies, actually, I'm probably like a worst person to ask for goalies, right? <laughs> if you look at my past experience, um, and actually, there's a reason for that because these advanced stats that I use, they're all catered for forwards and skaters. They don't really work for goalies. So I don't have any crazy data models. I don't have any projection, like any of that stuff for goalies, right? The only time, don't, the only way that I draft goalies is just I look at the team, see if I think they're going to do well and if they are um, going to be the starter, right? Um, mm-hmm. And on for if I want to stream a goalie, then I look at um, the money odds, right? So if let's say, I mean I don't gamble, right? Um, ever, but if you look at the uh, the the money line, it's okay. Let's say let's say a game today. Uh, actually, I'll just check right now. Give me a second. So if I go to NHL odds and I click on the first. Uh, result there, you'll see that, for example, the uh, the Rangers and the Buffalo game today, it's uh, minus 125 for Rangers and plus 105 for Buffalo. And what that means is, you know, New York Rangers will have a better chance to win. So it's much better to stream the Rangers goalie than you would for a Buffalo goalie. But 105 is it's very, very insignificant. So I would say anything between like one, 110 and 120, who, who, who gives a shit, right? Um, you look at the next game, like Tampa Bay and Ottawa, Tampa Bay is a minus 200, whereas Ottawa is plus 170. Then, of course, do not stream the Ottawa goalie, assuming the, the backup was playing. Yeah, Ottawa gave up, uh, what was it, nine goals the other day? We're recording this November 4th. Uh, so yesterday was the game they got just absolutely routed by uh, Buffalo. I think Jeff Skinner probably got a couple goals in that one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was, see that was a game that's like perfectly describes what I'm talking about. Hot streaks, right? You look at Jason Palmanville, you look at Jeff Skinner. I think they combined for like I don't know four, four or five goals or some shit like that, right? Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> when was the last time? I mean, probably in the next game, Jeff Skinner's gonna get like a million goals too, and then nothing, he'll do nothing for the rest of the month. So yeah, definitely it can it can help you out in a, a certain week head to head or a certain day. But um, when you're talking about sustained team performance over the course of a whole 
whole season and, and having a good competitive team um, and a team that's competitive in the Waffle Cup. Uh, the Waffle Cup, you have to, you have to be consistent because if you have a, a down week, you get eliminated. So um, how, did, how did the Waffle Cup start, by the way? Is that, what, what year did you start that in? wasn't the, the very first, right? Oh, no, it was. It was. Uh, it was? I think the first, yeah, I think the first year, the first year uh, I had an idea of like, just say, oh, what do you guys think of like an um, inner division tournament just for, just for fun, right? I didn't even have any, I don't, I don't think it had any prizes or anything like that, right? Um, and it wasn't even called a WAPA Cup, right? I wasn't that, <laughs> that eagle, that eagle, uh, that eagle maniac back then, right? So it was just <laughs> called like the OTH something, OTH challenge cup or whatever it is but i think and then it was actually uh win jackass who told me oh we should call this the wapa cup and then the name kind of stuck right but we had that since the first year but it wasn't the format was completely different the format was i think just only single elimination from the very get-go and then uh, uh just randomly just have a winner at the end um over time right. yeah and then over time like now i think this this format here we have now it's um i think it's pretty good right you have the round robin of the seven seven people group and then so basically after that the top 128 teams will go to that single elimination right so it's, it's better than let's say if we do 224 people in one huge ass tournament because maybe some d4 scrub just has a crazy week and you can just knock out somebody that should be going very far that year Right. Yeah. And it, it allows people to kind of get um, in that round robin, get some games in and some interest in the Wapa Cup, too, instead of, you know, having so many teams get eliminated at the very, very outset and just be kind of out on the sidelines from week one of it. Um, but yeah, OK, so I didn't realize this. This will be the uh, the seventh year then of the Wapa Cup. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's hard to it's hard to win. I think this is that this is the only thing that I haven't won in OTH, and I think the f farthest I've got was probably like the final twelve one year, something like that. But it's it's very it's a lot of skill it's, and it's a lot of luck to be in it, right? And the thing is this, the thing is this, right? So in the round robin, you know, if you as long as you're active, you're not some kind of super guy, super stupid guy that doesn't know what you're doing. You're gonna make you're gonna go on to the next round, but you know, when you're, because now the WAPA Cup is no joke, right? That's the winner, you're automatically in the D1. So when you're in the final rounds, let's say you're in the final, uh, the final four or Elite Eight or something like that, you start paying very, like, a, you start paying attention to your opponent's teams, right? And you may sacrifice some moves that you wouldn't do in your normal division just to win that week. So it gets very intense in the final, final few rounds. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen that firsthand. Uh, not myself, because I never really make it very far in the Waffle Cup, but teams that I've been playing against have seen um, some, some wild moves be made. Um, we, we sort of buried the fact, though, uh, and didn't talk about it, but starting, you know, the, the Waffle Cup started in the first season. You've been around in OTH since the very, very inception of it. Um, obviously like a pretty big part of the OTH community as it's grown as well. How did you first hear about it? And like, how, how has it been over time? Did you find yourself getting more involved um, through the years? And was there a change at like one point? Oh, um, I don't know how I heard about it. It's <laughs> honestly, I don't even remember. Right. Um, but 
you know, my role in the OTH community, it's uh, <laughs> obviously whether you're new or a vet, you know that I'm the most polarizing figure in OTH, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things where either you love me or you hate me and there's no middle ground, right? And so good or bad, my team always gets the most attention every single year by far, right? If my players are shit, <laughs> people will let me know. Um, like I've got a whole division named after my bus from last year, right? That's how crazy it is. <laughs> and to touch on that point, Zachary, uh, the funny thing is I never really planned for all this at first, right? Like when, um, uh, next level fantasy first started OTH, I didn't even think much of it. I just wanted to play some fantasy hockey and during, uh, I don't know, maybe like the first month or two when I took over the PF lead, um, for good and start pulling away, I started getting more and more attention, right? People start calling me out as their, as a target, the trash talking just started, and then they just blew up from there, right? Um, I never, for the first few years, I hardly ever lost the game. So it just, it just keeps, you know, people keep sending me, oh yeah, I'm, I'm coming for you, I'm coming for you, I'm gonna kick your ass, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, try, get on my level first, right? You know, <laughs> but, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I do embrace, my role as um, the top heel of the company. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with wrestling terms, um, a face means you're a good guy, a heel means you're a bad guy. And <laughs> because I'm a, I'm a huge wrestling fan, so my entire trash talking persona stems from wrestling itself. Um, I like to think that I'm like a, a mix of Stone Cold, The Rock, and Roman Reigns. And I say that because <laughs> And I said, because Roman Reigns is a face, but he gets booed all the time. Everybody loves to hate him, but he doesn't trash talk. Whereas uh, Stone Cold, The Rock, major, major trash talkers. Uh, and they were the top baby faces. So they're loved by everybody. So me, I, I can't play the role of a top heel who everybody loves to hate. But I do, I do change up my style over the years and uh, try to keep things fresh. As you know, communication channels are evolving. So trash talking on Discord is much different than trash talking on Reddit, which we used to do. Uh, on Reddit, you can take your time to write an essay, plan out your smart talk with an introduction and conclusion, insert a few pictures, whatever. It's very fun, right? Um, on, on, on Discord, it's more about instant feedback. So one or two liners, all caps, emojis, whatever. Uh, much more juvenile, right? And uh -huh. back in the early days, I was I was I was very vulgar, descriptive, trash talking motherfucker, and uh, <laughs> so I said some pretty gross shit, right? And eventually, I started to get some mixed reactions out of that. So I change it up all the time, right? Um, nowadays, uh, my favorite wrestler is Elias, who's a hillbilly with like a guitar that tells the audience to shut the hell up and then insults them with a song, right? It's massive heat. Um, just, just, just a while back, they were doing a show in Seattle, and then he was telling the crowd that they don't deserve an NBA team, and then, the, and then the crowd went nuts with the booing. Right? It was like constant ten-minute heat, never seen before. It was super amazing. Um, but at the same time, it's um, it's a thin line, right? Talking shit is fun and all, but you don't want to be the person that offends anyone because not everybody knows his kayfabe. And kayfabe, again, as a wrestling term, means it's fake. 
right? Um, <laughs> it's like an art form, and I don't like breaking my character that much either. I like I like to stay true to the sport. So in my reviews or Discord, for instance, um, I talk a lot of shit, right? I I roast almost almost everyone, but I would never tell anyone, hey, uh, your team sucks, you're a disgrace, and she just quit OTH altogether, right? Because that's offensive. Right. Whereas if I say Dude, I'm the best in the world. Get on my level, you scrub. I can beat you without a mouse. I'll tap my way through the UI and still kick your ass. See, that's a roast. But at the same time, it's not offensive. You know what I mean? Right? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, naturally, since we have hundreds of players a year, there's people who message me and say, hey, why does everybody make fun of you? Uh, and I'm sure there's people on the other side as well who might take it the wrong way. And I totally accept that because... No matter what I do, especially with our community getting bigger and bigger each year, you just can't satisfy everyone. That's just the way it is. That's how it is in life in general, right? When you have a huge crowd, right? Uh, but with the majority, it's all it's all fun and games, and we're all cool. For for example, you know, this off season, it's been a long time since I, I was not in D1, so there were a lot of people requesting to be in my division, and to me, that's that's awesome. It's a welcoming feeling. Right. Um, so at the end, you know, everybody still wants to play with me and stuff. Uh, and like I said, I'm the guy <laughs> who everyone loves to hate. Right. And and for the most part, people like playing in divisions where it gets chirpy. They like to go back and forth with each other. Um, it makes them go try hard mode. So it makes fantasy hockey fun. You know, there's drama. Nobody likes playing those Yahoo pubs where nobody talks and then the only messages are hey gg congrats on the win right that's that's how communities fade out so our community is great um, many of us know each other for a number of years now we share bits of our personal lives with each other and so 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 it's good right um, yeah, yeah but yeah but at the same time it, there are times when it is tiring um like there are days. That's what I was going to ask you about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does it ever get like uh, you know you kind of wish you didn't have to keep up the persona because you know it would just be easier to to you know just slide glide along for a week or two and and just relax. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. Uh, there are so many days where I don't feel like being that active, but then everybody keeps pinging me, right, wanting me to react, especially when I'm losing, right. Um, so most recently, that sub um, on on the sub, I post that pictures with Austin Matthews. Have you seen it? Uh, no, I haven't. Tell me about Here, it. Pull it up. Pull it up. Pull it up. All right. Go so go to. Right. And then the title is just called. It's just called what? Okay. Austin Matthews, also another player who's not uh, too short on confidence. I'm sure you saw. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. With him taunting the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Open that up, right? So yeah. this, so this is like, you know, <laughs> that's some of my character, right? Like a picture is worth a thousand words. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I encourage anyone who's listening to this who who uh, if, who hasn't seen it, pull pull it up and take a look. And uh, it's on the OTH subreddit. That's yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I, I love it. I embrace it. And it's what drives me to be the best at this game. There's nothing like 20 people laughing in your face uh, when you're down for the count, spotlights on you and everything. And then you get back up and take the win and shut everybody up. Awesome. Right. Yeah. But, and going back to that earlier topic of trying to change things up, 
um, bringing something new. As an example of this, as an example this year, uh, I know I know that Zachary, you're not in Discord much, so you may be out of the loop. Yeah, I I've been I'm not out of the loop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I've been doing this whole this whole drip drip thing that's kind of been catching on, uh, and basically what it is is uh, whenever a player gets some points, I say drip drip bitch, and it send a few droplet emojis. Right? It's 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 absolutely the most stupidest thing ever, and uh, what I'm trying to relate it to is it's like a water torture machine, right? And if you don't know what that is. Uh, it's not waterboarding. It's like when a person gets strapped to a chair, their head will get placed under a faucet, and then you turn on the tap just a little bit, so it's dropping water uh, at one point at one point on their forehead. Right? It doesn't sound like anything. You know, you do that for a few seconds and whatever, no big deal. But apparently, if you do this for a long time, the uh, the water drops on your forehead will feel like a knife on fire that's stabbing into your head because it's constantly dropping on the same spot, right? Now, most people will think, oh, funny, funny, uh, LOL, water torture machine, trip, trip, motherfuckers, <laughs> as if I just pulled it out of my ass out of nowhere, right? But there's actually a reason. Um, and this related to my team design that we talked uh, before. So I actually was going to keep this um, it's a secret to myself. Well, not really a secret, but I never plan on disclosing this information. Um, but since now we're on your podcast, I'll explain it as a way of thanking the listeners for making it this far. Uh, <laughs> and and Coyle, if you're listening, recently we've been discussing uh, what defines beginner, intermediate, advanced strategies. Well, this is some guru level shit. Okay. So, Zachary, you're ready, right? I'm ready. Okay. I'm strapped yeah. in. Pull up my Sitting down. Okay, so pull up my team. Look at my roster. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm there. Look, I'm there. I'm looking okay. at it. So take a look and see if you notice anything out of the ordinary. Ten seconds will do. It's kind of like um, those uh, 4D paintings, right? Either you see it immediately or you don't. Uh, see six centers, Ristolainen's on the trading block. Uh, let's see here. I don't know. I don't know what to look for. I don't yeah, see so it. You, you, don't, you don't see it, right? But um, <laughs> once I tell you, you'll see it immediately. Um, blatantly obvious, actually. Guaranteed, you'll be like, "Oh shit, what? Really?" <laughs> right? So, all right. If you see my team, my goalies, and the majority of all my forwards are all in the Western Conference. Okay. My defensemen. My defensemen all in the Eastern Conference. This wasn't by design, uh, it wasn't by accident, it was by design. And here's why I did that, right? Western, Can I guess? On, uh, go ahead. Can I guess? Okay, yeah. my guess is that, is that you wanna see on these, these nightly games, uh, early on, it looks like the other team is taking the lead because they will probably have more Eastern Conference forwards putting up points, and then slowly throughout the night, as it gets later and later into the night, and you know you'll you live out on the West Coast and you can watch it in real time, um, that that lead, if there ever was one, kind of goes away with those Western Conference forwards and uh, especially the goalies who will put up you know wins and those big chunk points later on in the evening. Mm, I would give you yeah. <laughs> one, 
I'll give you one and a half out of ten for effort, right? You get a participation <laughs> award. <laughs> so here, here's why I did that, right? All uh, right. West, Western Conference teams, they tend to play on more off days. Eastern Conference teams, busy days, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. I think this year, I think like Colorado and Calgary has like the most off games. Um, Nashville's up there. Columbus is up there. Right, so a lot of a lot of Western, in general, Western conference teams they'll play on more and off days. So by doing this, I actually minimize the number of conflicts on busy nights, thus mm. not leaving any PF on a bench. And the result is that every single day I'm going to have some players going off days, busy days. It doesn't matter. I'm always in attack mode. So it's kind of like that water torture machine, right, hitting you every single night of the week and then putting you in a submission by Sunday, right? So drip, drip, that's where it comes from. Um, and then, you know, for defensemen, I chose all Eastern defensemen because they are on the ice a lot. So if they were in Western, um, chances are high that my forwards will play against my defensemen on any given night. And I don't like that because overall, that, that reduces the PF that I get whenever a player gets a goal. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was pretty innovative. Uh, I'm probably the only person obsessed with fantasy hockey enough who would think about something like that, right? Uh, it's kind of sad, actually. Probably can use that time for something more productive, but hey, whatever, right? But I mean, so far it looks like this strategy is working. I think my, uh, if you look at the uh, the leaderboards, I think my current ranking is eighth overall as of the recording. Um, I was the first. I was the first in a Discord crew to uh, reach hundred thousand, uh, no, to reach thousand PF. So yeah, King is back, right? Compared to last year, where my my team design approach was a complete failure, right? It was absolute utter shit. Uh, it was an experiment. Had a design that I thought would work. First time going away from that winger specialist mode, um, but honestly, I was I was in way over my head. Uh, in theory, it sh- it still should have worked. Right, but in practice, it completely sucked. Um, you know, and, and for those who, who who don't know what I'm talking about, or well, it's pretty hard to know what I'm not know what I'm talking about. Everybody is talking about my team last year, but basically, I had I had, I drafted Carey Price and a Matt Murray first and second round. Um, finally, picked a forward in the third round, and I think the next uh, couple of rounds, I had uh, uh, Shea Weber and PK Subban. Right, um, and that going going by a design like that, it's too reliant on certain players. So too many things gone wrong all at the same time, right? Those players that, that, that I talked about, they were crucial to making that design work. But three of them, three out of four of them, were injured for most of the season. Um, you know, I held onto my number number one waiver way, way too long, couldn't play my streaming game. So um, things just went very downhill very fast uh, but part of that team had some bright spots right so why that would why why would i ever you know, pick goalies or defensemen first and then my forwards later it's because um going back to i was in way over in my head that i thought i could just uh you know get all sleepers have all forwards that would perform um outperform their adp and for the most part yeah that worked right you look at my roster from last year i had like kopitar uh for uh, Stone, they were drafted like super late, which was 
part of the design, like that to to make that work. So again, the whole forwards, I made that work, but the defense and the goalies that totally failed. Um, I ended up the season like ranking thirty like third, which for me it was by far my worst season. Um, but you know, I figured I figured out what was wrong in the off season, retooled, came back bigger, better, and stronger. Have you seen it so far this season? Cool. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the PF rankings right now, and uh, you're and this is going to change because it's six days old. I'm looking at the uh, the posted ones. You are at you were at 12th um, for that one, and I was at eighth, but that's going to drop because I had a pretty bad week, and I'm going to lose this week uh, most likely. But um, interesting. Yeah, I would have never, never. I mean, even if I noticed that the forwards were all Western Conference, I, I would have never occurred to me about the uh, the off day and reducing um, those conflicts. But it's it's working out. You have the PF right now, um, yeah. optimum oh, percentage way, of about ninety seven percent. Yeah. Hey, hey, Zachary, man, don't don't spread false information. Okay, you're. Your PF total, I'm I'm eighth right now. You are number sixteen, okay? Don't don't be that guy who thinks you're better than I am. <laughs> All right, I'm just looking at the old post. I, I I'm going back and digging through the old posts because uh, the yeah, new post last week. Kind to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice, last week. Nice way to cherry pick the day when you're ahead of me, right? All right, I think we're uh, we're just about out of time here. Uh, <laughs> uh no, it's great. Um, well. Seriously, thanks for thanks for taking the time um, to chat, and we'll get this this podcast up and live um, pretty soon. Here, I just have to do a little bit of the uh, editing and make it ready for consumption, and post it up onto the podcast. And I think this will be the the first successful um, interview collaboration that we've done on OTH podcast. So, uh, wouldn't have been able to do it without you, and. Um, want to thank you for stopping by uh drip drip and any other shout outs or last things you want to add in here before we uh we sign off yeah thank you um zachary it's been a pleasure so the wapa cup has started 224 teams winner goes to d1 get ready to do battle against the rest of the league So that'll do it for this week's special podcast interview with WAPA. Again, you can DM me at ZachF13 on Reddit or comment on the subreddit post. Uh, please DM me if you'd like to be a guest on an episode like this one or on a roundtable discussion, or feel free to just chime in with some sort of mailbag questions that we can answer for you, uh, any kind of content you'd like to hear on the show. And other than that... Uh, hope you enjoyed and enjoy the outro music. Relax yourself and let the sugar love flow. Keeps you wide. Come and shot and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love flow. Keeps you wide. Come and shot and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love flow. Yeah, get you wide. Come and shot and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love Yo, job. It's raining allergy. I'm floating through the Highland Tunnel swerving. I'm digging on the Sheba, pulling Sheba. She be splurging. We lurking with the cone because we be murking from the boogie. And shitting on them crabs because they job faking what we Yeah, three shots of life for all night. You dig it. Kept it hot again. Yada to big quiver. Get hip up. Spilling coffee inside my order. Mo Eldo. Crack is setting. No never. What's happening? Pull a convincer. Cash straight out of